0: Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on money, a podcast about all things financial on this show. We talk about investments and investment performance in our practice. We give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers. We may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast need to check with their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions that we may make. And good morning. My name is Mike McNamara, and this is McNamara on Money lately I've been known as the father of Alyssa McNamara, and I like it that way. That means I'm slowly fading into the background, but very, Did you notice
1: they played my introduction for today's show? I
0: I, I, I noticed that. In fact, listen, I'll take the morning off and you can do the show. How's that sound?
1: Don't love
0: that. I understand. Darling daughter and business partner is Zooming in this morning. I'm sitting here live in the show having a grand old time, and so here's the deal, folks. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I did a show where I mentioned a whole bunch of topics that were covered in media articles from various and sundry places. And I tried to winnow down the topics to like meaningful questions and meaningful topics that people could actually use. Although I have a couple of wacko ones here just to spice it up when we get there sooner or later. But over the next couple hours, my plan is to hop around to maybe six, eight or 10 kind of financial issues issues, concepts, problems, however you want to describe it, that a lot of folks listening here would probably pick up on, relate to, and maybe learn a thing or two sort of a thing. So it's a an open-ended, miscellaneous topic kind of a thing, but i pretty comfortable that, uh, that the things we're going to talk about apply to a whole bunch of people who are listening and obviously different people listening at different times of things. so the way we're going to do this we am going to have a little fun Alyssa has no clue what we're going to talk about this morning Okay, yeah. so we're going to make that kind of a fun thing so what I'm going to do is maybe ask you to pick an article like one out of two or three we can focus on that and I'll just name the article to begin with and before I even tee off I'll probably read a little bit of the article, and then I'll probably weigh in, but before I do that, I'm thinking, so I'm just going to name the article, and before I do anything, I'm going to get a reaction from you, professionally speaking, and then we go from there, okay? All right, sounds good. Alrighty. I'll give you three articles to choose from. Okay, the first one is, what happens when you pay off your mortgage? Okay. The second one is, survey. have made a financial sacrifice to help their adult children with money. Okay, and then the third one... How long will $800,000 last me in retirement?
1: Oh, I like all of those actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're going to have some fun or what? Okay. Pick one and we'll weigh in and we'll hit the next two in order, however you like to do. Where do you want to start? Oh,
1: what was the third one? $800,000. Uh, how how long, long will it last in
0: retirement? $800,000 last me in retirement. Where do you want to start?
1: Are we get, do you think we'll get to all three of these today?
0: Probably, but I'm not worried about it. I got 25 more, so there's no worries. Oh, yeah, I see. Okay. Okay.
1: okay, I was just trying to decide if I should pick the most exciting one first oh, or oh, wow, kind that a no, little uh, bit. We,
0: we'll deal with all three of the, these. I know you have to leave about uh, in about an hour or so, so we'll deal with all three of them before you leave easily, and maybe a few more, depending on how much we uh, we pontificate on the subject. Of, all right, you know what let's me? go with the
1: last one. How long will oh. $800,000 last in retirement?
0: All right, so how about your reactions before I even get? started
1: i think my first reaction is like a classic financial advisor slash attorney answer that it depends (laughs) yeah yeah not that i disclosure i'm not an attorney but i feel like you get that answer a lot from professionals
0: i think the doctors Uh, uh, doctors uh, accountants. yeah yeah i think that it depends is like the honest answer but yeah okay
1: and Uh, i guess my second reaction is it doesn't last as long as you think it does
0: you know, the, okay, that's interesting. All right, so let me tee off here. So let me hopefully push this up. Okay, all right, everything's working. By the way, so this is an article from Yahoo Finance. I'm not making this up, folks. And the fellow who wrote this, his name is Bob. Hegel, I believe is how you would say it. And I'll read a little bit and then we'll pontificate. That's another way of saying, hopefully selling something smart so people can learn a few things here. So right. saving for retirement is one of the most important parts of securing your financial future. While programs like social security can help, they often, I would probably say always, but they often aren't enough on their own. This is why it is crucial to have retirement savings of your own. You may be wondering exactly how much money is enough. For instance, could you survive on $800,000? Let's take a look here. So the first step is knowing how long your money will last to figure out your living expenses, is to figure out your expenses. By the way, how many many times have we had that question in our life? So the first step... Uh, of knowing how long your money will last is to figure out your living expenses, and I would quickly say the second step is to know when you're gonna die so you can do the calculations Mm -hmm. exactly correctly. But anyway, all right. Fixed expenses are those that don't change from one month to the next, yep. For example, that might include rent or mortgage, insurance, premiums, yada, yada, yada. Variable expenses are expenses that are not the same every month. Many things could fall into this category, including travel expenses, Healthcare care costs entertainment and charitable donations because of these expenses are variable you will like to have to set a limit about how much you can spend each month if you reach that limit you must either use money from elsewhere in your budget or forego the purchase all all good so far right you okay with that Yep. Okay. Next challenge, calculating retirement income. I'll shortchange this, folks. You sit down and you figure out, where am I going to get my money from? And Social Security would be the first pot. Pension plans going the way of the dodo bird for most of Americans would be the second. L- lots of public... Sector folks have pensions these days. In fact, I would say a fairly significant majority, and that's a good thing. And many folks who work for corporations don't anymore. It used to be the flip side, by the way, a long time ago. Okay, and retirement savings. Okay, so we got that. Yeah, that all makes sense. Okay, hang on. Story continues. Estimating the length of retirement. So is this the hardest part of- What, estimating
1: the length of retirement? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, I mean, all we can do is really use statistics and maybe- Go a little bit on the longer side to run a conservative model, unless there's other information available. Yeah, very difficult.
0: Yeah, there's folks. That there's like a bunch of variables in that retirement planning calculation. Yeah. What we like to say as a certified financial planners, the most important is what your expenses are and you need to have a really good handle on that. So so most people have extreme difficulty pulling together what their actual expenses are, but yep. Okay. And then the other variable. Okay. So by the way, expenses are sometimes variable, but we get to choose our expenses in many cases. The other variable is how long you're going to live. And that's got to be the probably the one of the couple biggest variables in terms of how things can get messed up. If you're 25 and thinking about retirement, you're probably not. Inflation will kill you. If you're 69 and just thinking about retirement, maybe inflation's not as big of an issue, but how long you live is, okay? And nobody knows that. And that's, for me, that's the trickiest part. What do we do? What do you default to these days for people living unless they tell us differently? What's your number? Uh,
1: 85 to 90, generally.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. okay. But I think it's actually, I don't, Struggle with that quite as much, maybe, as you because I'm older. That's it, why. That's, I hope you're not implying that you're wiser. No, no, concept,
0: I just said no. older. Okay.
1: No, I, that's true. Yeah. What I was going to say is because if you think about spending habits of people in retirement. The, I mean, you just were talking about fixed expenses versus expenses that you can control, discretionary type expenses. Yeah, by the way,
0: I think discretionary is better than variable. Your health expenses are somewhat fixed, but sure, you're dining sure. out as a variable. Dining out, travel. Yeah.
1: Like if you think about that discretionary yeah. spending, yeah. if we're planning to like a statistical life expectancy, which for men and women is like mid eight, early to mid 80s, even if someone lives a longer life than that, their discretionary type spending will be in that time horizon, like in the pre-mid 80s time horizon. Generally speaking, that's when people are active enough to travel, right, and and dine out frequently. And then I think expenses somewhat taper off the longer the life is somewhat, expenses taper off with the exception of custodial care, long-term care type expenses, um, of course, which can increase the longer you live. But I find that I do run models conservatively and plan to longer life expectancies than than statistical life expectancies, but I but the majority of the spending would be earlier on in the
0: life of the plan, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. So I, th- so I think my, one of my takes about reading this article is that, okay, f- for folks listening to us who are either retired or planning to, that's probably just about everybody, plus or minus, the I think you need to break your expenses up into necessary or basic as one category and discretionary as another, okay? Not variable, okay? Discretionary is something you get to choose about. Your electricity bill, is a necessary expense that varies. Okay, depending, but that's still a necessary or basic living expenses. And you need to put those two broad categories. We like to break them out into as many details as we can for a variety of reasons, but necessary and then discretionary. And discretionary Travel, vacations, fun, gifts to kids, gifts to grandkids. There's a there's like a bunch of hobbies, entertainment, recreation. There, there's a lot of things that fit into that discretionary category, and the reason we like people to think basic versus discretionary is because if we do a plan and the numbers are pretty sketchy or it doesn't look like it's going to work, okay, people have two choices. They can work longer, make more, Two, three choices, work longer, make more money, or cut expenses. And most people we're talking to are two, three, four, five years away from retirement. They're not thinking about working longer. They're thinking about cutting right. expenses. Folks, if you got to cut expenses, probably the place to start would be the ones that you have some discretion or some control over and that's why we spend so much time trying to get people thinking that way in our circumstances The so the point number one is when you assemble your expenses it takes a lot of time and detail and most people aren't very good about it but put them into two pots okay? Pot number one is these are the things I gotta do and gotta pay whether I have any choice or not and yes yeah, some of them may be variable but here's the stuff I want to do or want to do more of and I would classify most of those as fun or charitable and if you haven't in those two pots, it's just a good way to be prepared in case some of the numbers work. We see some folks where in their retirement, maybe 30% of their expenses in retirement are discretionary. Well, by the way, and if they can afford that retirement, good for them. That sounds like they're going to have a lot of fun. Okay. But if you have to go Someplace to look where your expenses are cut to make your life work because you don't want to go back to work or you don't want to work longer. Yeah, that discretionary pot is where it is and you probably should have a handle on that. Okay, so I think the macro points here are necessary and discretionary okay i think the next macro point is you need to spend a lot of time getting a handle on these and most people don't we work with some pretty motivated people what do they miss by five or ten or fifteen percent on their expenses most of the time if not more
1: yeah Yeah. easily
0: yeah yeah Yeah. but to get back to the older part and how long you live one of the things i really like about the software that we use is sometimes people are very firm i'm going to live to this because i have longevity in my family or i'm going to die early because my family so sometimes people have pretty firm ideas about how long they're going to live if i had a nickel for every 82-year-old that said initially they were going to live to 85 and they're rethinking that now as we're sitting across the table in retirement. Okay, if your retirement plan numbers look good at 85 but not so good at 90 well nobody knows when that's going to be but at least you should know and so i'm sure you do this the, be, more or better than i do but if somebody says i'm going to live to 85 or 90 okay if the numbers look good or and things are happy i'll often say let's kill you off five years later or 10 years later. let's have you live longer and see what the retirement odds look like and by the way sometimes it doesn't affect it and sometimes they fall off a cliff the results are all over but my point is, even though know, you don't know okay, when you're going to die, you, you ought to have an idea of where things start slipping and sliding so that maybe you have to do some thinking about that. Did I explain that okay or what, what's your thoughts it, on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I was multitasking and doing some math regarding how long this $800,000 is lasting in retirement <laughs> based on different rates of amounts that people would need from it every month.
0: <laughs> so the yeah, so the other thing that bugged me about this article, which is why I brought up, is that, that, that that's the second question people should ask what
1: question
0: the, the, oh how long yeah the, 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 how long yeah. will the 800,000 last because that's what they're looking at the first question is how much you're going to take from it okay right. people if more a number of people walk into the office and start talking with us and they're convinced they have to get to 500 or 800,000 by the way folks don't if the 800,000 sounds like the other world or not enough we're just talking about the processes so don't tune out if it doesn't affect you one way or another but the bottom line is that people need to know when that's going to start to slip and slide okay and i think it's great for people just to have a sense about that sometimes we'll punch numbers for somebody and the odds of success by the way not guaranteed but a good guess are like 85 or 90 percent but if we live them let them live another five years just in case they miss that they fall off a cliff people should know that there should be some backups about that and i guess the question number two is how long will the money last and that's a whole long series of processes to even get a guess but question number one, which would be from us is how much you're going to take from it? We have folks with seven figure retirement numbers. And if they're taking 300,000 a year, that might not be so good. And we have folks with 80 or 100 or 200,000 in their retirement pot. And if they're taking just the money that the IRS requires them to take, or if they're taking the money and only need a little bit of it, they're in great shape. So that number 800,000, I don't want people to get turned off about that. Okay. Everybody, It's going to go through the same math. It's just your math and it's what the process is that's important. Anything else on this or we beat it to death here just yet in terms of the process?
1: No, in terms of the process, I think that's... I don't have any further comments. Yeah. No comment.
0: Okay. Okay. No comment. Okay. No. And oh, I guess the last comment would be that if you had a financial plan in place and you looked at it every once in a while, a real one, folks, you wouldn't have to ask that question because you'd have a pretty good guess and at least be able to use your life to do what it needs to do, the thing to make it work. That's all.
1: Okay. Actually, I have another comment. Sure. I think so. It also depends on someone's wishes for the money. Like some people feel very strongly that they want to leave something for their children. Yeah. And some people either don't have children or their children are very well off financially and they're not quite as concerned about that. So I think that's a really important variable because a comfortable amount to take. And we're talking about how, how I know we're talking about how long it lasts, but I would approach that in terms of how much can I draw from that to make sure that it lasts, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that's a more appropriate question. Yeah. And the answer to that then would depend on wishes regarding are you trying, was it important for you to leave a legacy and to your adult children or not? Because I, the calculations can be very different based on their feelings in that regard.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess as we wrap this up, my, my last comment would be folks that you'll notice during this whole commentary piece here, that we haven't talked about the rate of return on your investments, okay? And no, this is a financial talk show. How come you haven't done that, McNamara? Okay, What you earn on your investments, when you put it in the equation, for all the, the parts of the equation that you need to retire, that's probably in fourth or fifth or sixth place for most folks. You know, what your expenses are, how long you live, what inflation is, whether you've got a good handle on your financial life or not, okay, whether you've got your mortgages paid off and your loans, Whether uh, there's a whole bunch of variables that go into you know, answer, answering that dumb little question, how long will my $800,000 last, okay, and one of them, is your investment return, but for most people, most of the time, that's not even number one, two, or three on the list of things to worry about. The thing, and people don't get that until sometimes. If we have difficulty with someone's plan, okay, we'll we'll talk to them about maybe work a little longer, whatever. And then some somebody will say, "Can I just earn a little bit more money in my portfolio?" And my first response that would be, "Yeah, but it's gonna be a little bit braver." But l- let me show you the difference. If we earn seven percent as opposed to six percent, Let's see how much it changes your odds, and you know what? Most of the time, it doesn't mean a hoot. Given when I go do the exercise on my own and with the clients I work with.
1: Okay. Yeah, it doesn't change all that much. And if you think about the reasons why, it's you have to. There's a difference between rate of return that people are used to hearing and maybe seeing, Mm -hmm. right? Four, five, six, seven percent per year. So there's a difference between that and what we would call like real return or inflation-adjusted return. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're factoring in inflation over time on average over long periods of time, it's 3%. And if you take that away from gross return right so if people are 5 6 7% per year on their investments or something and you take away inflation at 3% then you're talking about a real return of something in what the 2 or 3% range yep which is the difference between those numbers and so you're talking about pretty small real returns real inflation adjusted returns and the difference between them being pretty small and so it doesn't really affect the numbers all that much because growth at real growth after inflation at one two three percent per year is just not a huge variable in a plan
0: all right we got about a minute okay here's the uh, this is great for a break here here's the uh, the article's title survey 68 percent i assume that would be a parents have made a financial sacrifice to help their adult children okay you got a 30 second reaction to that before we take a break darling daughter okay a minute if you got a minute to do that go ahead what are you thinking
1: Uh, I'm thinking, of course they have. (laughs) Because I'm a parent and I understand unconditional love and the things I would do for my children. And depending on what the, what do they they call it? Oh, a sacrifice. Yeah, it says a sacrifice.
0: It doesn't say they helped them. It was a sacrifice to do that. Okay. okay. I
1: guess depending on the magnitude of the sacrifice, that's either unfortunate or maybe it's just part of being a parent. I don't know. I guess we'll talk about the different types of sacrifices and the magnitudes of them after the break.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those, I guess it's time to go so we'll be right back. My name is Mike McNamara. This is McNamara on money. My sidekick co-host, daughter and business partner, Alyssa, is keeping me company this morning. And we're kind of randomly picking off some financial media articles I've stumbled across in the last couple of weeks and discussing some of the topics because, well, we think they're meaningful and there might be a few people listening who could use that information in a helpful way or something like that. Anyway, so here we go. Survey. 68% 68% have made a financial sacrifice to help their children with money. This is from Bankrate.com. And I don't know if this is a guy or a lady, but Lane Gillespie. Is that a boy's name or a girl's name, Les? I have no idea. Uh, well, it could be both.
1: I would say girls. I don't know. Yeah, I guess unisex. Yeah. A-
0: anyway. Okay, here's the deal. Parents are stepping in to help their adult children when they're in a financial pinch but many are sacrificing their own savings in the process. Over two-thirds, 68% of parents of adult children have made or are currently making a financial sacrifice to help their kids financially, according to a new bank rate survey. Okay. Parents say they've sacrificed retirement savings 43%. Emergency savings, 51%. Paying down their own debt, 49%. Or reaching a financial milestone, 55%. That's a lot of people and a lot of going backwards, by the way. Okay, younger generations, such as Gen Z ages 18 to 26 are graduating college and starting their careers in a tumultuous period of inflation and rising interest rates gen z believes young adults gen z believes young adults should begin to pay bills later in life than older generations
1: wait what okay
0: i'll i'll Gen Z believes <laughs> I'm not making this up. What? Okay, Gen Z believes young adults should begin to pay bills in life later than older generations do, but they may be putting off financial independence as a result. What? However, yeah, thinking meaning think
1: they're that. expecting their parents to pay for things longer. Is that hey, what that means? I'm, I that. I'm not what that making means. this
0: up. You know, and, and I'm sure it's not oh, across wow. the board. That's interesting. However, okay. helping adult children too much in the short term can harm parents long-term retirement savings so let me think about this here okay so here's our key insights and then we'll have a little discussion many parents are significantly impacted by helping their children over age 18 with money 31 percent of adults of adult children have made what they, I'm sorry, 31% of parents of adult children have made what they say is a significant financial sacrifice to help their children with money. About half of parents have sacrificed their emergency savings for kids. we come, okay, emergency savings, one little topic for discussion. Okay, more lower income households are sacrificing emergency re- savings. Okay, let's see. Uh, Parents are sacrificing their financial stability. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Yep, okay, hang on, bank rate. All right, I guess we can start talking about this. So let's see. They're either, that cash is coming from retirement plans. It's coming from emergency reserves, oh, it's coming f- from not paying off loans as fast as they might, okay, or it's coming off, whoops, there goes the the round the world vacation, I got to help my kids out the thing, okay. All right, so your comments to kick it off, darling daughter, what are you thinking?
1: My comments are that it's, if parents want to help their adult children with certain things, then that's their choice. And I think in some regards, that's wonderful. And and, and in some regards, maybe it's irresponsible of them to sacrifice their own financial situation. But as long as they have the information regarding what is that, impact? What is the sacrifice they're making? And they, I'm sorry, they understand the fin, the financial sacrifice they're making, but they might not understand the full impact of that on their own financial situation in terms of how does it impact their ability to retire or how does it impact their the longevity of their assets and, and their own situation. I think if people have the information regarding the impact to their own finances, then that's perfectly fine. And it's their choice and it's their life and their family and their money. And I think that's perfectly fine. However, i'm guessing 90 to 95% of all the people that you're reading about right now of these statistics probably don't have the information they probably haven't analyzed if I do this for my kids, what is the impact to me? So I think most people are probably making these decisions without really knowing the ramifications in their own life. And then I think maybe they find that out a little bit, hopefully not too late, but they find it out after the fact, which I think is the unfortunate part of that. And I think my next comment would be that there's a difference between helping adult children and enabling them. Are you still there,
0: Dad? I am. You're, you're oh, okay. You're saying uh, all the things I was going to say. I'm rethinking what I'm going to say. I'm stealing your thunder. You're on a roll. Keep going.
1: I think there's a I think we all know that there's a difference between helping and enabling
0: I'm not sure th- if we know where that line is to be honest I think that's yeah. the thing no, yeah. no
1: one does I don't think anyone does yeah. and as a parent it's like, what am I going to do of course I don't want to enable I want my adult children to be responsible and care for themselves on going when I'm not around and all that stuff but no one knows where the line is and how do you draw that that's a hard line to draw on your own I imagine my children are younger but I imagine that and my last comment I don't want to steal all of your thunder so Take hopefully you were thinking of this one too, but (laughs) the article mentions people taking money from their retirement, their vacation chunk of money, or their emergency reserves, etc. I think if people are taking it, they're helping their adult children at the sacrifice of their emergency reserves account, I don't have much of a problem with that because that's one of the reasons an emergency reserves is there, is to like help you, or in my opinion, the family in the event of an emergency. But I guess in some of these cases, if you're... We don't know the extent of the helping. Is it a one-time thing or is it going to be ongoing helping? So if you're using your emergency reserves to help your kid, but they need more help ongoing and then your emergency reserves is depleted, then that's then that's scary. But
0: By the way, even if you spent half of your emergency reserves, what's their ability to replace that? Probably <laughs> not high if you're already retired. That's, a, that's right. another issue, basically.
1: Yeah, agree, agree. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Yeah, or I'm done. Yeah. Let's see. So, yeah, I, I think I think the overwhelming macroeconomic point. I love saying that here is that if people understood the consequences, okay, and the degree to that it would affect your retire your own retirement or retirement plan if you're not there yet, okay. As long as they know what those consequences would be, well, then you can make a, a, an informed, hopefully well reasoned decision about doing that. Or not, or if you're going to do it, you know, it's such a difficult family versus money. There's yeah. there's no easy. I, that's a gut wrenching choice. But yeah. how many folks do we know that are slipping into serious trouble? because they're doing that out of love for their kids. And it's just, there's, I I don't know if the kids know about it. There's so many things that go with that on the emotion side. It's like unbelievable. I guess my point, another point is that if you're retired or close to retirement, okay, you don't have as much time to get your life on track as your kids do, okay? And so hopefully yeah. those kids are doing as much as they can. If there's nothing anybody can do and parents choose to do it, that's their choice, but they do need to know what those consequences are or what might have to change. And the precious few don't without having a pretty serious financial plan in place. That's my other point. There's not a whole lot of people... Who understand that? Maybe I'll just work a few more years. Maybe you won't be able to. Or yeah, there, there are just so many unknowns. Okay, and the closer you get to that retirement, the higher the odds get. Okay, of it blowing up if something bad happens, or recovering if something bad happens. So that's just kind of—it's just sad. Yeah. And by the way, here's a little. <clears throat> okay, this is going to be interesting here. Ready? You ready for this? Okay. I'm gonna change. Stay on the subject, but we're going to get a little bit more personal folks i'm just reading this by the way men are significantly more likely than women to feel they sacrificed their debt payoff efforts 53 percent versus 46 and some other financial milestones 58 percent versus 52 to help their adult Children, however, men and women were tied when it came to sacrificing retirement savings and closing emergency reserves. A thing. My my generic comment is, women feel much more strongly in general, or than most males, about helping their. I think it's a mom thing. But shoot me if there's a guy out there feeling differently about that. But it's just generally speaking, I think ladies care more about that significantly or feel more strongly about it. I choose my words here carefully about how that works. And then to, to that point, and maybe because they live longer, if you're a single person and you happen to be a female, okay, then that that's even more angst if you're helping kids and you're single. I just, I'm not saying men are insensitive slugs, but women generally feel m- more strongly about that, and I think it's a mother thing, and that applies in some other areas. Am I in trouble with that, or what's your reaction to that?
1: <laughs> no, I, no, I don't think you're in trouble with that. I'm not surprised to hear that statistic. Yeah. I, yeah. women are probably, are we the more empathetic being? I would guess. Yeah, and, and I, also, I'm good maybe, with that. Yeah men are maybe a little bit more comfortable with tough love and might have the emotional strength to give that tough love and and draw a line somewhere for the benefit of their adult children if they think they are enabling where that might be really hard for women to do so yeah, no, I think that's I have no problem with those comments. Okay. I think that's true.
0: Yeah. Uh, a couple more pieces from the article here. Let's see. <laughs> On average, American adults believe people should begin paying their own bills starting at 20 years old for their car payment, car insurance, cell phone bill. Subscription services and credit cards. Okay. Yeah. So that just hops into what are parental expectations to ultimately wean kids off the payroll? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and how, that's why, right. didn't you have a Sunoco charge card for about three <laughs> years after you graduated college? I didn't know about it. I think I
1: was flying under the radar for a little bit. Yeah. Mom knew about it. So she's the more empathetic being. You were like, Give
0: me that card. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah. the other piece before we leave that article is that if you are a parent with some kids who haven't quite got there yet, but will be getting there out of college and hopefully on their own doing that, maybe you want to start talking amongst yourself in advance. How are we going to deal with little Jimmy here? we Are going to charge him rent? Uh, yada, yada, yada. What's the... Is there a... Is we- Weaning's the... Raw- is there a plan to help your children get to financial independence and off your payroll over some period of time. And obviously the answer is it depends on what that plan is. Maybe some folks ought to be talking about that in advance in case that subject comes up and uh, at least you had the discussions before and got some ideas about it. Because when those things come up, they're usually a bit more emotional <laughs> at the time right. than not, I guess. So, I, I, uh, And
1: what age did that article say? 20? Yeah,
0: yeah. Most parents believe that. Okay.
1: They should be totally... In, it,
0: 20, it, it, start paying stuff like that, and then start, 22. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Okay. Start All right, yeah.
1: weaning, pay certain things with okay. your summer income from your summer job. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then
1: once they're gainfully employed, hopefully, in yeah. their early 20s, then then maybe more things or all things transition to them in an ideal yeah. world anyway, but...
0: Yeah, and again... Uh, and what does know. Gen
1: Z think? What does yeah. Gen Z think? Well, I, that it should I, be, what, 25,
0: yeah. 30? I, they just said that it should be, they should give them a little break of a, a chance. Okay, that yeah. was... Yeah, wait a minute, yeah. who paid for your college education right. anyway? How's that, how's that we'll go? See. Exactly. That Exactly. Yep. Anyway, and I also I, I wonder what percentage of all people, it said... Yeah, it basically said of the people that they surveyed, 68% did something. So I guess there's yeah. a lot, right? And we could certainly tell some professional stories about that. When I write my book and change the names and the circumstances, there's some pretty emotional, gut-wracking stories we're part of as advisors. It's just such a sad and messy thing, but that's just how it is, basically. But well,
1: you could take the argument that, like, any parent who's helping their children with college expenses or yeah. any parent that's helping their Twenty something with their cell phone bill or their car payment or gas for their car, whatever. I mean, really almost any parent helping with one or both of those things could be making some sort of a sacrifice, yeah. even if it's a small sacrifice yeah. to their yeah. own retirement. You could make that argument for almost anyone except the very, very wealthy yeah. where that wouldn't be an impact. But. Yeah, I guess I'm actually surprised the statistic isn't (laughs) higher if you think about it like that's probably 90 percent of People, yeah. You know, There's probably are, actually, uh, yeah.
0: fo- folks. Let us see if we get a telephone call on this subject. There's probably a bunch of fellow boomers out there. I obviously, I'm a baby boomer myself, or who, who are either laughing or are in pain, thinking about how this all works. A thing. We boomers. Let's see. Oh, well, we messed up the world. I think for our kids and grandkids. But anyway, so let's see. We we got kicked out of the house at 16 or 17 or 18 and never came back. And uh, the degree that our most parents help boomers is a lot less than what we boomers are the sandwich generation we our pam, our parents raised us but most of them financially cut the cord very early in our lives and you know I like to say I went down the driveway and took a left when I was 17 and didn't come home much after that except for a couple of summers but the other side of that is boomers are now saddled with maybe caring for some of their parents and maybe caring for some of their kids. So it's, they call it the sandwich generation. So it's just how it is, and it's a meaningful part of a whole lot of people's retirement plan, which is scary, but that's just kind of how it is. The, it's much more difficult for younger folks these days to make a go in the world because of, I personally, things I think we boomers messed up in the economy and a whole bunch of other things. But, hey, I digress on the subject. I okay. also
1: think real estate is much more expensive now relative to incomes yeah, yeah. than it was like 50 years ago. Yeah,
0: yeah. And same thing with college costs and college tuitions. Yeah. I was like pretty, even yeah.
1: inflation, like infla- even inflation adjusted. Of course, it's more expensive inflation adjusted, but yeah. even more so like relative to incomes. Those yeah. are crazy expenses.
0: Yeah. yeah. Got a, a degree from Tufts a long time ago, and I had some help, a bit of a scholarship. But I was able to work summers and clean the bill virtually every mm-hmm. year for four years. The pr- Precious few people. Can, right. no, no nobody could do that. No, but right? unless
1: you're going to community college. Yeah, and yeah. Think, yeah. So
0: you're starting in a deeper hole. Okay. And I can understand how some folks feel that way thing, but it is the way it is. Okay.
1: And real estate, like even a condo or something. Yeah. What is it? What's the multiplier of your, yeah. of an average income? 10 yeah, times, yeah, 8 yeah. or 10 times yeah, for yeah. a small starter home or condo. It's, it was not that case 40, 50 years ago.
0: Yeah, all right, all right. We got about eight or nine minutes here, so here we go. We'll deal with the last one here. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So, by, by the way, uh, what happens when you pay off your mortgage? By the way, I thought one thing before I start reading this article, and found out another. So the article is geared to what do you have to do to make sure the world knows you are paid off your mortgage? Okay, but we, oh. we'll spend a little time doing that. But the other part of it is, I hope you paid off your mortgage before you retire. The thing, but anyway, okay, well, What happens when you pay off your mortgage? What's your gut reaction before? I start reading this fun article here retire yeah retire okay
1: <laughs> that's my only reaction right. or save more so that you can retire yeah there you go or start paying down the student loans that you accumulated helping your kids through college oh and,
0: my gosh oh my and gosh. or
1: all of the above
0: yeah yep all right here we go this was from yahoo finance it was from again bankrate.com a lady by the a gal by the name of megan hunt okay and it was this past april okay Paying off your mortgage is a major milestone. You now own your home free and clear. It's a moment to celebrate, but also to take care of some specific steps to ensure you're the legal owner of the property and to continue paying your homeowner's insurance and property taxes on your own. What happens when you pay off your mortgage? When you make that last payment on your mortgage, you can expect to hear from your lender, which will likely send you documents confirming that you fulfilled your final obligations towards the loan. You will want to touch base with your insurance company to remove your mortgage company from your homeowner's insurance policy. Yeah, that's a good idea. Ensuring that you will receive any reimbursement of claims filed. Okay, so here's the... Here's the documents to expect. I'll do a quick highlight because this is important. A canceled promissory note, okay, that basically says, the bank says, oh, you paid off your mortgage. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but one of the homes we owned never did that in the 2000 to 2002 bank mess when banks fell off the planet and went out of business. And about 12 years after the fact... I had to spend some time proving that I actually paid off the home. I think it was the Coasset home, as a matter oh of fact. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, so that was not something I never even knew about personally. But a promissory note, okay, that basically says you're done. Oh. Yeah. Uh, a loan payoff letter that comes with a promissory note. A deed of reconveyance. Remember, there's a lien against your home held by the mortgage company. You want to get rid of that sucker. Okay, so you need that a deed of reconveyance, okay? And by the way, there might be some escrow funds in that mortgage account that they set aside for you to pay your taxes. And then a deed, finally a deed showing your sole ownership of the property and a certificate of satisfaction, which may be issued by your local recorder or county clerk showing that the loan on the property. By the way, not only do you have to know about it, but you better tell the town, okay, who's sending you tax bills about that as well, okay? N- n- never mind uh, huh. a-, a few other things. So I- so th- that's a- an interesting list, and it's just like the paperwork of the world sort of a thing. But, folks, there's if you b- do pay off your mortgage, congratulations, but... <laughs> We live in a legal world. Make sure you clean the table. The other thing, and the other important thing, is that people are used to the convenience of having the mortgage company pay your tax bills automatically, and they're taking some of your tax out every month of your mortgage payment to, to do that. You're on your own when you pay off your mortgage. You better remember to start paying the property taxes when you get there, thing. Any, any reactions to any of that before we take the other side of this, or what?
1: That's a lot of stuff I didn't know as yeah. well. I yeah. never paid off a mortgage, so. Yeah. I didn't know that as well. Where do people go to get that information? They're not going to remember all those things. So Where do the, they get I guess into, your mortgage yeah, lender? Yeah, or? No, that's a, what that, do you that, even ask? Yeah, Did that's it?
0: a great question. Probably your mortgage. But attorney? That, that's a little... The real estate attorney that closed on your property. Yeah, closing that'd be attorney. Or by the yeah. way, if yeah, or if you're closing off a mortgage to buy another home, the real estate attorney that you hired, hopefully, to pay off to get going with a new one. But let me go over the documents. We've got a little, only a minute or two here. Yeah. So okay. the documents are a canceled promissory note. A good idea. Okay, a loan payoff letter. Ah, a good idea. A deed of reconveyance, which kind of removes the lien. Remember, folks, if you have a mortgage, your bank owns the home with you. If you pay off the mortgage, you probably want to make sure that the town knows that the bank doesn't own the home with you anymore. And that's basically the deed of reconveyance. Ah, back to I own it all by myself, not me and the bank anymore thing. Okay, and yeah, make sure you scoop up some ex- escrow funds that are left. The bank does most of this work.
1: I was okay. going to say, the bank uh, banks that are running properly would, would check off all these things for well, people. Yeah, Automatically, Or in a perfect yeah, world, Well Yeah, right? for
0: the qualification. Yes, banks yeah. are running. Banks run- <laughs> pro- pro- well, this is, okay. this is, we're all aware
1: right now that banks haven't been running uh, perfectly, uh-huh. right?
0: Yeah, well, indeed. So clean up the... all of uh, them
1: anyway. Yeah.
0: yeah, and then by the way, a brand new deed showing you're the sole owner of the property. What a concept when you think about that. Okay, yeah. and I didn't know about this, but a Certificate of Satisfaction which may be issued by your local recorder or county clerk showing <laughs> that the loan on the property has been paid off. That means not, not only should you and the mortgage company know the loan's been paid off, but probably the town who's sending taxes, okay, would probably want to know that as well. So, so a, a, a list of legal stuff. Folks, we live in like a legal world and list your question about who would know that. N- nobody, I didn't know two, two or know. three of those yeah. things, honestly, okay? And so it's just, that maybe we should put a checklist out there sometime on our little website to do something like that. That might be a good thing, but I'm sure sure people can find that someplace. Kind of important stuff. But no, the w-
1: thing is, but people don't even know that they should find yeah. that someplace.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so, a, a, exactly. <laughs> Seriously. And uh. heaven forbid, if and the easy part is if you just pay off the mortgage and you're not leaving the house, if you're—if the mortgage is getting paid off because you sold that sucker and you're buying another one, oh, add a few more late. <laughs> Layers to the equation about getting it squared away. That's just the world we live in, and it's just how it is. I think it is what it is. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. we're up on the break pretty soon. Tib's going to yell at me in about two minutes. But my generic comment, which I guess will lead into the break here and afterwards, is that what do you do when you pay off a mortgage? First of all, you congratulate yourself. But okay. Before you even do that, you had to have a plan to do that. And I, I'll, we'll talk about or I'll talk about a lot of people don't have a mortgage in retirement. There's an article I'll read or we, might, I might get to a little later on. Okay, I believe it's somewhere around one third of retirees still have a mortgage on their property. Okay. 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 There may be some legitimate reasons to that. There may be some dumb ones about you're not very financially aware, but shame on you because not having a mortgage in retirement is probably the biggest thing most people can do if they want to even have a chance of living happily ever after retirement. So. I
1: wonder if that statistic has increased in the last decade or so since we've had really low interest rates on mortgages. Yeah. Though. like, though. It doesn't yeah. seem a big deal if your mortgage is is two per, two and a quarter. Yeah. Oh, we can talk about that after the break. But actually yeah. but actually while interest rates were so low, why wasn't yeah. the mortgage then paid off? And yeah. when they're higher it's just gonna be harder for people. But oh, all right. Let well, me know, that'll be fun to do after the break, uh, but I can only join you for about fifteen minutes that, after the break.
0: That'd be fine. I'm good. We'll take a break. Folks. We'll be right back.